I get it started You are now tuned in to my parents' office yeah, With Brett Castle and Andrew Diaz New, new dropping, yeah, you know where I'll be at Believe that, New England flow in your speakers Tryna run game, lace heat like sneakers In a flashlight, lightning bugs I pop up at your spot and I'm lighting up, yeah JR on a mic and I'm next to blow No commercials, I turn it to an episode Better get down to business, begin the show So let me get going, welcome to MPO What's up, guys, and welcome to the My Parents Office podcast. I am your host, Andrew Diaz. Today, we've got episode 107. I'm going to be flying solo for it today. Do a little college football roundup and uh, kind of a big prediction for uh, week one of the NFL. Uh, first things first, you know the drill. Social medias at My Parents Office, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. My Parents Office podcast on Facebook. And articles from the office on Substack, a um, couple of good articles that just came out. Um, one about friend of the pod, uh, Will Levis, leading uh, the Kentucky Wildcats to his very first W in SEC action since transferring from Penn State to the Bluegrass State. But, uh, you know, back on campus today for episode 107. Like I said, I'm going to be flying solo to do some college football talk. Um, you know, it was a crazy weekend. Um, actually, I shouldn't even say a crazy weekend. It was just a crazy week of college football. It was it was wild um, with, with a lot of the games. And first, I will, I'll, I'll start with what went on last night, uh, Sunday night. I'm taping this on Monday. So tonight we actually have the Ole Miss-Louisville game, um, which should be, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how that game will be. Should be all right. I mean, it's always good when you can get college football on another night. But – so we had last night the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, my Notre Dame Fighting Irish, went into Tallahassee to play against Florida State, which, and you know, I was really sweating when the week started because with how much a lot of the analysts liked Florida State, I became very, very concerned, um, especially you have a new quarterback at Notre Dame. You had Jack Cohen starting you had the O-line kind of got gutted last year but they revamped it Jarrett Patterson the captain was starting at center um Cade Madden was at guard and then you still have the nation's best running back in Kyron Williams yes the nation's best running back in Kyron Williams uh playing in the backfield alongside uh a Jack Cohen um and, and he's a guy I really think could be a Heisman um maybe sneak in be a fourth place guy in the Heisman I don't think he'll win it but he, he's got potential to, especially after watching him last night, not so much in the run game, but in the past game, he was a huge threat. Um, but I mean, it, it was honestly exciting to watch um, Notre Dame play again, especially Florida State's kind of like a, an unwritten rival of the Irish. Um, I, I think a lot, there's a lot of unwritten rivals of the Irish, very few that um, Notre Dame fans will take seriously. I think that would probably be like Florida State, USC, Michigan and Miami um outside of that there are no other rivals because they're just not at the level of Notre Dame football but uh Jack Cohen throws it, it, he had the most passing yards um of any Notre Dame quarterback in his debut with 366 he actually passed over the 29 year old play caller for the Irish uh Tommy Reese in his debut with Notre Dame threw for four touchdowns and a pick um and really just looked good. Um, I mean, he ran the ball decently when he had to improvise, um, got, got a few yards on like second and long and just made easier third downs. 
for Notre Dame. Kyron Williams had he carried the ball 18 times but and had 42 yards, which isn't a great stat line, but he had six catches for 83 yards in the pass game with a touchdown. And I mean, the, the big thing, because I was watching it with my dad last night, both big Notre Dame fans, the big thing that I that we both really noticed was that Notre Dame was matching Florida State's speed. And I think we need to throw out that whole the, the argument a lot of people make is that Notre Dame can't match Southern speed and that the schools up north can't match uh, the speed of like SEC or ACC programs because they looked fast and shifty last night. I mean, Kyron Williams broke a dude on the uh, on the swing pass touchdown that he caught. Um, he had a huge stiff arm on one of his outside zone runs. So he I mean, Notre Dame was on the level of Florida State um, athletically, physically, just all around. Um and, you know, I almost had a heart attack last night because of how nervous I was after watching them. They were up, I think, like 38-24 at one point or maybe 38-21. And that lead gets chipped away a little bit closer and closer. Then Mackenzie Milton comes in the game and the momentum swings. Florida State gets back into the game and your heart starts to pump a little bit more. You're nervous. They score. Uh, Notre Dame can't do anything on the ball. They got very – Tommy Reese got very passive in his play calling, which was difficult to watch. It was – uh it was scary watching them almost lose because the nation hates Notre Dame. You either love or hate Notre Dame. Um, and there's a lot of people that hate the Irish. So that was really what I was preparing for was to hear a lot from the Notre Dame haters and what they would, were going to think. Um, but, you know, you get out alive and, you know, it's not an impressive, a, a very impressive one because they're not ranked. Um, Florida State's not a ranked team, but it's a tough game going, especially going into Florida State. You got the chop. It's a, it's a hostile crowd, especially, like I said, this is almost deemed a rivalry game. But other contributors on the outside for Jack Cohen, I mean, Michael Mayer had a huge game. He had the drop at the end of the fourth quarter. Um, that honestly, he should have caught it, but he tried to just get upfield. I really, uh, if people were trying, if they had lost this game, I feel like a lot of people would have tried to put the blame on Michael Mayer. Um I don't think I would have. I can't say I definitely wouldn't have, but uh, you know, it's a tough play and he he was just trying to make a bigger play. It's a young guy playing. He means he, after last night, he looked like the nation's best tight end. It's really not even a competition. He had nine catches, 120 yards and a touchdown. His touchdown came on fourth down in the first quarter, um, which was huge. That was the opening drive of the season for the Irish Um, wide receiver, Kevin Austin, uh, four catches for 91 yards and a touchdown. Like I mentioned, Kyron Williams had a touchdown. And Joe Wilkins' lone catch, he mossed a Florida State DB in the corner of the end zone, or like the I like the side of the end zone towards the back corner. Um, it was a 23-yard touchdown pass. That was his only catch of the game. So, I mean, that was a huge one. Defensively, I mean, can we make the argument that Kyle Hamilton's the best defensive player in college, especially if Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be out the rest of the year? I don't know what his injury status is, but I mean, if he's not going to be playing, Kyle Hamilton is the best defensive player in college. Um, I mean, he had two picks last night. His second one, I was amazed with what he tracked from the other hash across the field. And I mean, if Kyle Hamilton doesn't make that play or at least doesn't get there, Florida State scores a touchdown there. And Notre Dame scored off of every turnover they had. They had 21 points off of turnovers. Um I think they had three interceptions. Hamilton had two of them. Um, One second. Let me see what the other one. It was uh, Clarence Lewis had the other one. It was a big tip drill play. But, I mean, yeah, Kyle Hamilton had six tackles 
and was really the commander of the defense. He's a true defensive captain. And just uh, if, if Thibodeau's out the rest of the year, Hamilton's the number one defensive player and a top three player in the whole country. He just flies around with so much confidence too, um, and really prove that he is probably the most important player on Notre Dame's team for their success. If they don't have a safety like him, they don't win this game. Uh, you could make the argument for Jack Cohen or Kyron Williams or even Michael Mayer, but if Hamilton doesn't make the plays he does, they don't win this game. Other big defender, defensive help came from edge rusher Isaiah Foskey. He had two sacks along with eight total tackles, which is a pretty big stat line. And interior D lineman Jason Adam, Adam Miola um, had half a sack along with five tackles. Riley Mills had a sack. Uh, Kurt Hinnish, the captain, um, he had a sack also. And uh, Justin Adam, Adam Miola had a half sack also. So, I mean, the, the Irish pass rush, they had a lot of plays they actually didn't finish. Um, they, they missed some tackles in the backfield. Didn't look awesome um, when it came to tackling. I think tackling drills are going to be on the agenda for Coach Kelly, who's also in a little bit of hot water. We'll get to that um, in a little bit. But uh, they, if, if they can figure out how to really close down a quarterback, because, I mean, Jordan Travis isn't the most mobile quarterback that they're going to be facing this year. So they really need to buckle down and make sure they're finishing off tackles because the pressure was in Travis and Milton's face the whole night. So that's definitely got to be a focal point for coach Kelly and the Irish Jordan Travis plays about, he plays the third quarter and a good amount of the fourth and then gets pulled. Um, he threw three picks, uh, two touchdowns, 130 yards, went nine for 19. And then one of the greatest comeback stories you're probably going to see Mackenzie Milton enters the game um, after absolutely mangling his knee at UCF doctor. They showed what the doctor had said about him that he probably would never play ever again. He's like, it's very low to pretty much unlikely he'd ever step foot on a football field again in full pads. And, and, and that's really as a Notre Dame fan became tough for me because you always want to root for a guy that's coming off an injury like that. You want to see him succeed, but it was very tough to root for a guy like Mackenzie Milton last night, especially with how close the margin was for the game and how they went to overtime. You uh, got, got super nervous. And honestly, every time you saw, saw him get tackled, it, you do get a little nervous because you wonder how the knee is going to hold up. Um, I mean, Mackenzie Milton was probably part of one of the biggest and most controversial plays of last night when he had – so I believe it was third down – um, Irish brings six or seven man pressure, uh, linebacker comes up the gut, makes a nice play. He's rushing after Milton, but has his hand up in the air to prevent the passing to, uh, shut down the passing lane. Milton looks like he throws clear fumble. He fumbles the ball, falls on it. Florida state gets it back. Florida state goes out to kick the field goal. The kicker nails a 50 yarder, but Mike Norvell, the Florida state coach iced him to try to get a closer field goal. It turns out that. It, they rule it a uh, incomplete pass, but it, that's where I have an issue with the refs is because he already dropped back. It wasn't like he took the, took it, the ball to clock it, to just spike it. He had already dropped back. And as he throws, there's no receiver or running back in the area. It should have been intentional grounding. I mean, after what had happened at, at what happens after this, I really can't complain, but it was just poor officiating all around. Um, the Irish almost got shafted and Joe Tessitore, was awful. And same with Greg McElroy on the game too. They were not great 
on the call last night. It seemed like they, they wanted every opportunity to watch Notre Dame lose. So I'm, that's what I'm more thrilled about is to stick it right in their face that they the Irish win. But so, like I mentioned, Mike Norvell in Florida State, they line up to kick the 50-yarder. Norvell ices the kicker. The kicker nails the 50-yarder. Turns out that it was an incomplete pass. Intentional grounding is not called on the play. They line up for a 36-yarder, hooks it left. Notre Dame gets the ball, go down and kick a field goal to win 41-38 in the first OT. Um, obviously, it was hard. It was a heart attack game, like I mentioned before. It, it's I was so nervous this whole game, and you know I obviously wanted a bigger margin because I think with a bigger margin of victory we would have bumped above Cincinnati, which would have been huge in the rankings from number nine to number eight. I don't think we'll really move, or maybe we'll. I don't think Clemson gets bumped back far enough after their loss because it was to Georgia, to a real good program. But so I think we're going to stick at nine, and especially it helps North Carolina behind us loses to Virginia Tech um, in the uh, in as, as Rex Chapman called the COVID Bowl. But after the game, um, so this is kind of where Brian Kelly gets into hot water uh, a little bit. Is he the he's asked by a reporter like pretty much how about the win and he's like you know we need to execute better maybe our team needs to be executed which clear joke and it's clearly i mean it's do you really think that brian kelly meant to execute his whole team like that, that i was that was so frustrating to me that people were blowing it out of proportion um that they want, like, I don't know. It, it, it was also a John McKay quote, um, the former coach who, who had said, I'm all for execution. I think it was something like that. I'm all for uh, execution. So it was kind of a parody of that. Um, but it, it was pretty hilarious. He's like, yeah, maybe our whole team needs to be executed after that game. But, you know, a clear joke from a, a top 10 team, um, top 10 teams coach. So. Uh, that, that was a big snowflake moment for a lot of the internet. Um, I think a lot of football guys and people that understand football clearly knew that it was a joke. So that, that was, it was honestly hilarious when he said it, cause I was watching the interview live and my dad and I were like, did he really just say that? And we just busted out laughing. So, uh, but like I said, you make it out alive, Notre Dame somehow make, not somehow, but they do make it out alive, which is, uh, the most important thing. They, they stay, they start the season one and zero, which really is all you can ask for when you're playing college football and going into a hostile environment. Other big games, uh, another one I watched live on Saturday night, UCLA looks good. Dorian Thompson Robinson looks really good. Um, They beat Ed O and coach LSU in their sissy blue jerseys. And um, you know, I, I, with Washington losing to Montana, which is huge um, UCLA could be the, the team out of the uh, Pac-12 that could make some noise. But I I feel like Chip Kelly will find a way to lose a game to, like, Colorado or to Arizona. There will be a trap game, a game they should clearly roll a team, but just lose the game. Um, you know, so I don't have my hopes too high, but I'd li- I like seeing a good at UCLA team. Um, like I mentioned before, Montana, um, in I think they're, all of their 19 meetings – Montana was one seventeen and one going into the game. This was, I think, their twentieth or twenty first meeting, maybe. Um, and Montana beats them, and they don't just beat them; they dominate. Their defense dominates, holds number twenty Washington to only seven points. 
They win the game 13 to seven, um, which is insane. Another defensive battle was Georgia Clemson. DJ did not look good for Clemson. The Georgia defense looked like absolute ball hawks. The, the ACC is in, is, is in disarray right now. You have UNC lose. You have Clemson lose. You're pretty much, those were your top two teams that you really thought were going to make some noise for your conference. You thought that those were going to be the guys that could trailblaze you back to the playoffs. I mean, definitely don't count Clemson out. Clemson's going to probably go on a roll and start thumping teams left and right. So I could, I definitely think there's a solid, solid, solid chance they're going to be back in the playoff. But I mean, that Georgia team looks very, very good. Um, and like a lot of the blame shouldn't really be put on, or a lot of the quarterback hate shouldn't be put just on DJ. JT Daniels didn't look great either. The one Georgia touchdown came off a pick six from DJ. So Georgia's offense really did not do too much to help the Bulldogs. Um, other games around the country, uh, you had Texas beats Louisiana. I honestly thought Louisiana was going to win this game. I kind of was praying they did because I hate Texas. Horns down. Um but, you know, Texas looks good against a ranked opponent, too, which is big. I think that you'll, you may see them move up two or three spots in the rankings for the win over the, a ranked team. And I think Louisiana could find their way out of the top 25, but probably by the end of the season, find themselves back in the top 25 because uh, they're a solid team. They lost 38-18, but uh, Texas looked better than expected. Um, Alabama thumps Miami. The spread was 19 and a half. Um, and, yeah, Alabama covered by, by, a, by a country mile. And – Bryce Young just looks so good. It really is immaculate what Nick Saban and that Alabama team does. Just absolutely breeding freaks of nature. I mean, their O-line pretty much gutted. It's a whole new unit in there. You've got Evan Neal as your big your big guy now. He didn't look awesome in the game, but, I mean, he did his job. So it's a pretty much a whole new O-line. You've got a lot of new weapons on the outside and a new quarterback. Alabama, I – I hate seeing them good, but they're going to win the national championship this year. It's really not even, I don't think it's a question with the weapons they have and just how good Bryce Young looked against the top 25 opponent. He didn't even look phased at all. So I I think you can already write in Alabama as the national champ. Another top 25 game, Iowa beats the piss out of Indiana, which is shocking because Indiana still has Michael Penix Jr., who I really thought was going to have a huge year. But Penix did not look great through, uh, went 14 for 31, 156 yards, no touchdowns, and three picks. Um, while on the Iowa side, Spencer Petrus um, really didn't do much either. He had 145 yards, no touchdowns or picks. But on the ground, Tyler Goodson went for 99 yards on 19 carries and a touchdown. Um, it, it, it really is crazy how good – um, this Iowa team is, I actually don't know if it's crazier that the Iowa team looks as good as they do, or if the Indiana team looks as bad as they do. It's kind of immaculate um, that, that that's the case. Um, so I'm really curious how the Big Ten will shake up now, because I, I really think that uh, Indiana could have been a favorite coming out of the Big Ten. I mean, obviously, Ohio State's going to be a tough team to compete with, but they were, I think, real dark horse favorites. Now they're just bottom of the pack. Um, Cincinnati, they beat Miami, Ohio. They're a, uh, I think they're ranked number eight. Like I had mentioned before, they've got Murray state on nine 11, Indiana on September 18th. And then the real big game, another huge test for Notre Dame 
is Cincinnati at Notre Dame. Um, I'm very concerned because this is going to be a big game for who's going to be bumped out of the top 10. I think I think both teams will stay undefeated up until that point, but it's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be two defensive monsters going at it. And you just need Jack Cohen to, to ball out and Kyron Williams to do what he does and have the O-line move some bodies around. So I'm excited for that game, but you can't look too far down the line. Um, kind of a big surprise game was Oregon only beating Fresno State by seven. They won 31 to 24. Fresno State thumped UConn, which was no surprise last year or uh, last week. And then they play Oregon at Oregon and go down to the wire with them. Uh, this Fresno State team could make some noise in the Mountain West and be the top team in that conference, um, which would be pretty cool to see. You don't really Fresno State's kind of a mid-pack, a mid-tier team. So it really would be dope to see them good. And I would have loved to see them beat Oregon. Oregon's traveling to Columbus next week to play against Ohio State. And I think it's going to be a bloodbath. I think Ohio State is going to beat up on Oregon after this performance. I mean, Ohio State didn't have a great performance against Minnesota, but Minnesota is a way better team than Fresno State is. And Ohio State still won by 14 in that game. So give me Ohio State by 20 next week over Oregon, especially if Kevon Thibodeau is not playing in the game. If he's out, then they're really screwed. More Big Ten action. Penn State beat Wisconsin. The Wisconsin quarterback looked very bad down the stretch, especially the, the interception through two minutes left. They ran like a, a tight end pop pass over the middle. He threw. He, he didn't. It wasn't even like he threw it on because if he had thrown it on a laser, it maybe would have been completed. Maybe would have gotten batted down. Lobs it over the middle. There's a linebacker there, and the safety just comes down and jumps it. Pretty much ices the game for Penn State, and then the quarterback throws another pick, uh, pretty much to end the game. It was uh, Graham Mertz. Um, so, and, and Graham Mertz was another guy, kind of in that Michael Penix hype train, where a lot of people thought he would be very good this year. Uh, this Wisconsin team was going to be very good and was going to be a sneaky favorite. Um, but it's really not looking like that, which is kind of disappointing. But it's good to see Penn State back. Like I had mentioned, Kentucky, uh, Will Levis's first action, they beat Louisiana Monroe. Um, Levis went off uh, 367 and four touchdowns uh, and, and they, he's got his first SEC action next week when they play Missouri, uh, I believe at Kentucky too. So that'll be a good opener, a good welcome to the SEC moment for the, the Xavier high alum and the uh, Penn state graduate. And then we have the most disappointing of Saturday. If you're a Connecticut fan and actually the best thing that came out of it was Randy Edsel announcing he was going to retire that snake rat, that backstabber. I hate Randy Edsel as a UConn football fan. Um, and, and it's really a shame that they ever brought him back. Um, if you don't know, Randy Edsel was the coach from like 99 to two. I think he was hired in 1999 and he brought UConn football kind of, kind of, kind of to where they had never been before, which is crazy. Um, brought them to, eight and five records, nine and four records. Um, and they were dominating in the beast, the, the big East. They played in the Fiesta bowl, the Meineke car bowl, the international bowl, the Papa John's bowl, uh, motor city bowl. And it was, it was just a great time to be alive. If you were a UConn football fan. And after the Fiesta bowl, when, uh, UConn gets thumped by Oklahoma, Edsel doesn't even fly back with the team. He takes the job from, uh, to coach the Maryland Terrapins 
um, football team. He called it his dream job. Doesn't fly back with the team. Literally accepted the day after they got absolutely bundled by the Sooners. So I lost a lot of respect there. And he pretty much sent that team into disarray and just buried them. Absolutely buried them. They hire Pascaloni a few years later. Um, he goes five and seven. And then his final year goes 0 and four. Pretty much just fired midway through the year. And then TJ Weiss takes over and goes three and five. Um, and, and that's Bob Diaco comes in, doesn't save him. His best season, they went six and seven. And they lost in the St. Petersburg Bowl. He was a very rah-rah type of guy. Um, didn't recruit Connecticut. And that was really the big thing that hurt when Edsel left. It was Edsel had his he, – he knew how to recruit in-state and keep the top talent in the state. And when he left, Pascaloni and Diaco did not do that. And that's when schools like Michigan, Penn State, Boston College, um, and, and a lot of other Big Ten schools, Rutgers, started dipping their, dipping their toe into Connecticut and poaching the best players out of there. And now Edsel comes back in 2017, and he's not able to secure the top guys in Connecticut. He has to go a tier down for guys in Connecticut, or he's recruiting two stars out of Texas or something like that, where you're not getting the top talent. If he had stuck around, this UConn team could have been very, very good. And to call Maryland your dream job is an absolute joke. I That Maryland team that he coached was dog shit god awful. Um, and I really do hate Randy Edsel for what he did to this program. I mean, he's six and 32 since returning in 27, his best season, they went three and nine. And then he went a one and 11 one year when their only win was against URI where they, it was a barn burner right down to the wire where they played URI. Um, and then they had a year that went two and 10 and they just lost. So they lose the Fresno state. Fine. That's all fine and good. You don't score a point, which isn't all fine and good. Um, but okay, for you just watch Fresno State go down to the wire with Oregon, a top uh, 25 team. Now you've got UConn playing against Holy Cross. This is a tune-up game for the Huskies, or at least not even a tune-up game, but just it should be an easy W game. They lose by double digits. They lose 38-28. Matt Slucka from uh, Holy Cross was running all over him, throwing all over him. He threw for 123 yards and two touchdowns while also rushing – for 112 yards on 14 carries and for a touchdown. UConn just looks so bad. The energy on the sideline is so bad. Zergodius, the quarterback from Canada for UConn, three touchdowns, three picks, 174 yards. Kevin Mensa, who's been there, he's like their Perry Ellis, has been there forever, had 21 carries for 66 yards, no touchdowns. Zergiotis also rushed for a touchdown. So, I mean, he played hard, but the team is just not good. They're just not a good team whatsoever, um, which is super disappointing. It's sad to watch. And I honestly don't know what is the next step for UConn football, which as a fan, I mean, it's, it's been real tough to root for him. Um, and, and now I, you, and so Edsel announced that he was going to retire after the season yesterday. And now you also wonder who would even want this job? Who would want to coach UConn? Who would want to take over a dumpster fire program and try to bring it back? Do you go for a tried and true guy that maybe could be out of a job at another, at another spot? I mean, if Edo doesn't have a great year, he's going to be on the market. Do you throw a lot of money at Edo and maybe pray that he brings some of that Southern charm and Southern uh, that, that winning mentality to UConn? Or do you go with a, a young guy like the way, same way they went with Bob Diaco? Um, I, I honestly don't know, and I'm very curious as 
who's going to want to try to take this job and try to turn this program around. Cause I, I sure as hell have no clue who it's going to be. Um, but so that'll wrap up my, uh, my little college football talk right there. Other big news. So I actually still in the world of college football, absolute fraud on Twitter, Rex Chapman. He, uh, he, he, he tweets out the entrance to uh, the Virginia Tech game when they're all going crazy and enter Sandman comes on. He tweets it out and says, like, oh, my God, the COVID bowl. Well, Rex, if you're going to call it the COVID bowl, why, why, why were you at when, when COVID's not as bad as it was now? You were at the NBA finals when the Suns were playing when COVID was a little bit worse. No mask, sitting in a crowded arena. If you're really going to go out and criticize other people and try to grandstand like he did, make sure your tweets are, are cleaned up and you don't have anything like that in your, in your uh, past. So it was great to see every corner of Twitter absolutely drag this loser fraud Rex Chapman around by his, by his bald head. They literally, Twitter picked them up and threw them around like a rag doll. It was pretty brutal to watch. And I mean, it was even better too, because everybody loves that Virginia Tech uh, entrance, the Enter Sandman. So people were just happy to see college football back and see the greatest entrance um, with a full stadium. So for, for it, it was just awesome to see like every corner of Twitter unite against Rex Chapman and all the Corona bros that, that uh, decided to try to grandstand against Tech and pretty much everybody watching college football. So that, like I said, just a cool moment. Um, NFL coming back this week, this Thursday, we've got Pat or not Pat's geez. I'm it, the, should be the Tampa Bay Patriots, but it's the, uh, Buccaneers versus the Cowboys, which will be an ex, I, I don't think it's, I, it's going to be exciting because football is back, but I don't think as exciting as people want it to be. Um, because I, I honestly think Tampa is just going to roll them. After watching Hard Knocks, uh, the Cowboys do not look good, and I I, I think the Red uh, the Washington Football Team is going to win that division pretty handily. Um, so, like I said, it's going to be exciting to have football back, but you you do wish the game would be a little more competitive. I mean, we could be in for in for something else. Uh, may, maybe we do get a good game, but I, I don't think so. I think you see the Pats win by two or more scores between 14 and 17 points. Um, that's not a game I really care about, though. I do care about uh, a 1 o'clock game that's being played in Cincinnati um, when the Vikings travel to Cincinnati to take on a pretty youthful uh, a pretty youthful Bengals squad that's very uncertain on who's going to be in and out. Uh, you don't know if Burrow's really going to be in because of his knee injury. So... If he is, I mean, the Viking pass rush has to get after him. I, I, I'm not for hurting players, but you have to put pressure on him and try to make him run because a knee injury like he had is going to be very tough for a guy like him to be mobile again. So pass rush has to be on. Michael Pierce, uh, DJ Wanham, uh, Daniil Hunter, the revived the – the, yes, the revived Everson Griffin is back. And then you don't know if Anthony Barr is going to be playing. So Eric Kendricks and Troy Dye – and uh, Nick Vigil are going to kind of have to hold down the linebacking core for the game. But other than that, I mean, I'm, I'm real excited to watch the Vikings play football again. It's uh, going to be an exciting time. I think an exciting season. It all comes down to how the offensive line is going to play. 
if the offensive line is good and Kirk Cousins has time to throw and Kirk Cousins looks good, this is a team that could win the uh, NFC North uh, because the Packers are an uncertain team. At least I think this is their all, their all or nothing right now. Um, I think Rodgers is gone after the year. I think Zedarius Smith will probably try to find a new team after the year. Uh, if Rodgers is gone, then you'll see Devontae Adams want to go, and I could see the Raiders be a big possibility for him. Uh, Bakhtiari is really the only guy you can expect to see around him and Aaron Jones because Jones got a fat contract from the pa- the Packers uh, over the offseason. So this is all or nothing for the Packers, and it will be really cool if they make it to the NFC Championship to see them lose in the NFC Championship again. That'll definitely be a uh, be a blast to watch. Um, other stuff, uh, we got JR Specs. I'm going to be taping an interview with him. I think Thursday night he's got a new song coming out with all, all that. I, I, I listen to his music. I can't get his name right. So that uh, that's, that's always good. Um, let me see. What's the name of the song? He's got it coming out. Um, Grapevine. He's got Grapevine coming out. Uh, JR is kind of rocking the buzz cut now. So we'll ask him about that too. Um, and you know, the, his marketing scheme has not changed whatsoever. It's um, he had get you geeked, which re- revolved around an apricot where all his stuff was orange. Um, then he had red solo funk. He was wearing red. Red was the primary color. And now grapevine, he's got a grape, uh, a grape purple bubble button down on in the, uh, the music video that he, he kind of teased and in a lot of his pictures. So the, the, I'm, I'm definitely excited to talk about the marketing scheme with him again, because it's, uh, it, it's very interesting how he does it. Um, and he's another guy, go check him out on TikTok. He's been doing a cool thing like JR delivers where he just plays his own music and sings along to it while he's delivering pizzas. So it, it's a cool thing. Um, definitely happy to get him back on. He I'm trying to think. With this interview, he'll become he'll be tied for the most recurring guest. Nate LaJoy has three, and I think this will be JR's third appearance. Yes, I'm trying. I was just trying to think. So yeah, this will be JR's. So JR and Nate will be tied for uh, most recurring. A couple other people have two, like Mike Squires has two. Dave McCain has two. We'll actually be getting Mike Squires on a little bit later in the year um, once he gets done with his tour, but I don't know how the tour is going to work. Cause I believe Chris Webby's tour got canceled and Watsky's may have also, which he was going to be on. I know he was on tour with echo and Pimo and jelly roll and all them. So I'm, I'm we're going to work some stuff out about getting him back on going to try to work to get Spose back on the podcast too. When uh get Richard die Ryan comes out. Um, and, and I mean, if you haven't listened to the new two, the two singles that he's dropped off it, go do that. Um, hey, big guy might be, it's a tearjerker song. Um, it's oh, just a really good song all around. It's a good six minute Spose song. And then Hypocrite's also awesome. So, like, I, I'm so fired up for this album um, to come out. You, you, you wouldn't believe it. I've, I've been, he had brought it up that he's been working on an album when we had, when I had interviewed him. And that was in like December, um, December, or January, I think I interviewed him for the pod. So, I've been waiting a, a good amount of time knowing that this album was on the way. So I'm super excited. I I need more Spos in my rotation. Um, But yeah, so JR will be on probably next week. Uh, I'm going to do, Brett and I have a sports documentaries draft. We did the sports movie draft. Uh, Let me see if the results are in yet, if it's over or not, because I had posted the poll for it yesterday. 
Um, so at 145 today, the current I am up 74 to 26 on Brett right now. Absolutely thumping him right now. It's uh it's a bloodbath, but me and him are gonna, so that was sports movies. We're gonna be doing sports documentaries next. So ESPN 30 for 30s, um, and some independent ones too, be able to pick from that. And then I think we're gonna mix in other guests coming on, more like co-hosts, um, kids that I go to school with, do some drafts with them and start doing some drafts with guests that we have on. Um, you know, my miss oh, mass maritime. We open the season this week. Uh, we play SUNY New York. Or, uh, Jesus, SUNY Maritime, or as uh, Coach Muldoon calls it, the school down south. So we open up the season with them on a Friday night at our place under the lights. It really doesn't get much better than that. It's an exciting time. Fired up to uh, get back on the field and just, you know, be, be back. This is first competition for a lot of us. We had the Dean scrimmage, but that was for our D-line, which was swarming in the scrimmage. They weren't able to get after the quarterback really because it was a red jersey. I'm excited to see how those guys play. And I'm just excited to see how the offense unfolds. And I'm pumped for the season. Uh, there, there's not much more you can say about it there. It's, it's exciting to have football back. And we start a week later than a lot of teams because of uh, the regiment and the orientation that we have here. So we start a week later. Our bye week is technically week one, um, which is kind of a bummer when your body's worn down like week six. So – we go, we rip, rip 10 games off in a row. A lot of other division three teams played around the, around the uh, New England area though. Uh, Bridgewater played, um, Western New England played in the uh, Pinko saw, Pincho saw game against Springfield and they won. So that was cool to see. Got some buddies there. Westfield, I got some friends playing there. They lost to Nichols College, I think 21 to six. So that we'll probably cover a little bit more division three football. Um, when, when we uh, get more into the thick of the season, have some different kids on from different schools and just talk about upcoming games. But uh, like I mentioned before, follow our socials at my parents' office on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, articles from the office on Substack, my parents' office podcast on Facebook. And I think we're going to be dropping some more shirts, maybe Halloween themed, maybe fall themed. We'll figure something out though. Um, I definitely want to get new shirts out, new merch. For uh, all the loyal listeners to uh, to cop, and then I think we may be adding another blogger. Not too sure yet. Um, you know, Tom hasn't been writing as much lately because um, he's down at LSU. We're gonna be working to get him workout times, get him back on the pod to do some more drafts. But uh, we're working to get another blogger, somebody I go to school with. So once that becomes official, I'll probably do a quick segment episode with them, and uh, they'll be right back writing, and we'll have two more. We'll have uh, three voices on the uh, the blog instead of just two. But other than that, thank you guys for listening. Sucking you for years, for I knew how to drive. By the time I learned. You would already do